Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the European Tour Picks and Bets. Skylar Hoke here, Todd Jacobs. How you doing? I'm good, Scott. How are you? Doing wonderful, man. It was uh, quite the week. The European event finishing on Monday, 54 holes. It had some fireworks to it. It was awesome to see the bullet get over the line. What an awesome interview he had. Emotional. Just been there so many times. The ball striking has been consistent, you know, for the last year. It it seemed a matter of when um, instead of if. But the odds were quite deep, and of course, he was one we brought up last week, but it did not end up on our final cards. Those are always a little bittersweet, but I'm so happy for Marcus Armitage. Yeah, I think I think the thing with us is what we're doing, we said that he's you know really impressed me with his irons, and he was on the short list, but he's so volatile that we didn't know quite what to expect, and and it paid off. And 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 we took the guy like Pablo Larafabal, who's volatile, and he decided to fly back off the leaderboard. and. And Armitage went the other way, and uh, that, that's what you get with those type of guys. They can go in different directions and and fast as well. So, um, yeah, really happy for him. I think his interview's done on a No Lane Up podcast. Great, uh, if you ever get to listen to that. Um, so, yeah, good guy, good win. Um, and it leads us into a rather different event this week. Yeah, I mean, it is quite the one we have ahead of us and just before the u.s open you know we are gearing up we have that top 10 list now of the golfers that have made it into um the tory pines u.s open we did just have the ladies european our ladies u.s women's open as well which was an epic finish over there Thankfully, uh, my girl Yuka Sasso came through 300 to one winner. Those don't come around too often. So that Lexi Thompson, thank you. Thank you yeah. for that back nine meltdown. And and I decided to tell you picks because you know you're you're the guy and you know and I went with Rachel Heck instead, who to her credit played pretty well. Um, but you know, it was it was the other long shot season that uh, got the job done. Yeah, that's uh that's one way they thankfully went about on the other side of things in Germany with the, I got a little cute, I think with those long shots the week before we saw, you know, Moeller, we saw Axelson, we saw a few different guys get into the mix that were more of the local guys. Last week, they were at the literal bottom of the leaderboard, but an Staben, um, what Matthias Schmid, some of these guys did not pan out even with the 54 holes that we anticipated it to. So, um, I will say though, I want to review that top 10 quickly. It was Richard Bland, number one, Guido Migliazzi coming in at number two. Armitage is third. Miko Kohonen, who did say no uh, to his U.S. Open um, exemptions. Jordan Smith, Adrian Marac, Dodo Molinari, Dave Kuplin, Thomas Dietrich, and Matthew Southgate were the top 10 of that mini order of merit. So really excited for some of our guys to be teeing it up at Tory. Yeah, and like you say, Kohonen's uh, giving up his spot. So I don't quite know. I don't know if you've heard yet who comes in in that spot um to take that but jason screevener was up was up there i think he's probably in now as well um darius van drill was there alexander bjork so there's guys that are around there that, that may be getting the call up but uh yeah it's, it's it's an exciting event next week and uh we'll, we'll get what we're doing this week out of the way and uh, and go on to that yeah and to your point um the scandinavian mixed is the name of our event they're playing here and again like you said in the lead up you know, it's the the mix podcast for us. You can find us on all the platforms, Daily Fantasy Sports, Picks and Bets, The Mix. So it's kind of maybe poetic that we're talking about this event that is going to be half 
of the European tour on the men's side, half of the European tour on the women's side, on the ladies' European tour. Um, so it is going to be one collective odds board that we're going to talk through and break down. It's going to be one winner for the week, one leaderboard talking through um, and being able to pick out with the differences in the courses simply being the length of the tees. You know, we're going to see the women's side of things play closer to 6,100 yards while the guys plays around 7,100 yards. Um, But I think off the top, we need to have the conversation if we can see the ladies compete at the top of the leaderboard, because it seems events like this in the past, they come far and few in between, but it hasn't had a lady breakthrough as a champion. We've had one come in second place, but often the, the leaderboard still is littered with the men's side of things. What's your thoughts off the top? Yeah, and I think that's probably the way it's going to happen this week as well. I think there's probably not quite enough disparity in the yardage to to really make a difference. I said Megan McLaren that came second in that event. And and I think, you know, you're going to go on to some in a minute, and I think there's probably going to be one that can be a factor. Um, it's about getting that, that one right. Um, and it's not necessarily going to be the one that everybody thinks it is. Uh, I think the lady you, you particularly get a pick is someone I, I spoke to Jason in the Lost Words podcast yesterday. We spoke about, uh, we didn't actually do a podcast, but we spoke in, in message about that being our favourite. Um, but that was when it was just the ladies' odds out. It's whether she can compete with the men. Um, so I've generally focused on, on the men this week, but I've got one long shot for the ladies. Yeah, and... I think the due diligence of putting in the effort and the research and, and, you know, understanding how these ladies set up, it's going to provide an edge, whether that is going to be in the odds markets for the week, because, you know, when they translate and put them with the men, we are seeing these ladies get three, four, five times the odds of what it is in the women's side. So if they are setting up, I think it all does come up to, if they are going to set it up in a way to give one a distinct advantage or the men maybe a distinct disadvantage on some holes that does level this leaderboard because personally i think it would be incredible to see a back and forth between you know the top men's top women's being right there neck and neck towards the end i think that would be you know an incredible sight to see it would be something i think would be you know very inviting for viewers to learn more about this side of golf um so i think it was worth once diving in and understanding the way these golfers form is what they do best to chance a few of them so i'm going to have a couple on my card and also this week on DraftKings, it is the combined event so there are going to be from an ownership perspective if you're always playing the ownership game some of these ladies that probably have the exact same odds to win as some of the guys will be similar priced however they'll probably be a third a quarter of the ownership as they are much more unfamiliar names to the general public so that just kind of leads into my thought process on the week i'm going to stop there and make sure if you've been enjoying our show our european tour day uh picks and bets if you can find that on mayo media network if you rate review subscribe to us on youtube that would go a very long way in the continued support of our show um and with that let's go to the top of the leaderboard um if you go through the odds market who up top stands out to you for the week tom yeah i mean there's, there's a host there isn't there and and they kind of form uh the obvious names the one that i was kind of interested in before the odds came out was alexander bjork um being swedish coming here in sweden obviously gives him a 
you know, might give him an edge, might not. And he's played well in his home country in the past. He's striking the ball incredibly well. He's putting really nicely as well. He's coming back to the form that, that you and I both know he has in his locker. Um, but, I, but I thought they were slightly on the short side considering the other selections that I've got. The first uh, lady that, that comes across in the, on the odds board is a tire critical, which I believe is the first selection for you. Yeah, um, you know, that's where I am going to really begin. And I think it comes from if those who have been watching um, and maybe – not even she's she's played in one event so far in the LPGA this year and and took it to the wire. Arguably should have won in Thailand when uh, Arya Jutanagard had an epic final round. Thailand's her home country. Um, we have seen Thetical really on the scene from since she was 14 years old. She has shown up in some majors as an amateur. She has won events overseas as, you know, a young teenager. And now still at the age of 18, you know, she is the the rising star of what we saw just happen in in yesterday's US Women's Open, like a Yuka Sasso at 19 years old. Thetical with some, you know, status probably has the ability to compete with the best in the world. She beat Patty Tavatanica that week. Um, you know, in her home country, you know, it was a real, you know, putt or two away that burned the edge on 17 and 18 to miss putts within six feet away from winning that event. Um, so I think Thetical at the odds she has, she also was the co-leader last week after two rounds. They only played three rounds in the ladies European tour. Um, after 36 holes, she was the co-leader struggled on Sunday a little bit, still ended up with a sixth place finish. So that, you know, recent form with the pedigree of what we've seen out of her amateur career is enough to chance. There's 33s for her to win, um, in the state side here, 28s as well. You know, if you look kind of overseas, I just think there's so much talent there that if they do set it up with the opportunity, Thetical can be right in the thick of things. Look, she won a professional tournament at 14 years of age um, and then won that event two years later as well. Um, you know, five under and 22 under par, same event, Thailand Championship. So she's got a lot of range. What I did like about her is she finished 29th in the Women's British Open as well, which I think, you know, we haven't actually discussed it in terms of the court this week. I think it's going to be sort of described as a Heathland sort of throwback to a Lynx course. So the designer is Martin Hawtrey, who has been involved uh, in a lot of Lynx places. He's been involved in Birkdale, which of course 2017 opened. The old course is St Andrews for Dunhill Lynx, Fernbury, um, Sunningdale, La Hinch, which is 2019 Irish Open. So he's been involved in a lot of places like that. And I think that's going to be a factor. And if you've got a lady that's uh, played well in Open Championships and certainly the men that are going to go on as well, I think that's going to be, you know, a huge factor. And just you just can tell, I mean, we, we talked about this last week for the US Women's Open. The age that these ladies come out and win for the first time is, is frightening, isn't it? I mean, it, you know, it really is amazing. I don't know. I, I find it strange what it is. I don't know if there's less of an intimidation factor when you're a young girl going against ladies as opposed to a young lad going against men. I don't, I don't really know the difference, but that seems to be something like that. And one of the things that I thought of, and I'll throw it to you as well, is... Do you think there's going to be an advantage for the first two rounds for the ladies that are playing two ladies with one man as opposed to one lady with two men? Just having a bit of company on one of those tees as opposed to just having to walk down to that tee while the others tee off from the others? I, I don't know if it's that simple, but it could be something like that could come into play. Yeah, that's that's intriguing because I think in times in past when we've seen this event like the Vic Open, they structured it where it was two different courses. They didn't you know mix up the tee times actually. So yeah, I mean, I think... Is it a noticeable advantage? Probably not. Is it something that conversation, different things that can happen? You can see somebody else hit a, a shot to a par three when, you know, the men's, if they're 30, 40 yards back, is it going to play differently? What club are you hitting into the wind? 
is those little things can add up. Absolutely. Um, so I, I'm excited they did it that way. You know, I assume it was going to be three and three and kind of mix it up. So you don't have pace of play issues. Maybe we do have a little bit longer rounds this week because you're teeing off from two separate ones, but you know, I, I, I think that's pretty interesting. Um, who else do you, I guess, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. But I was just, I was just looking at one of the ones that stood out to me. I was looking at Alexander Bjork's tea time. He's playing with Emily, Christine Pedersen and Leanne Pace. So you think that, you know, That'd be nice for the girls. And then you've got Annabelle Dimmock playing with Adrian Otwege and Jenny Hagland as opposed to, you know, just one girl playing against two men. It, I, I, I don't know that, you know, we can't quantify it. That's the thing, isn't it? There's nothing statistically yeah. that we can run as a model. There's nothing, you know, we can't, we're just second guessing what they think. But like you said, it, I was thinking of it from a from a confidence point of view, having someone to talk to on the way round, just feeling less intimidated, not having to feel like you're holding everybody up as opposed to you're actually thinking about from shot advantage of being able to see another lady play a shot. And I think that's a massive factor as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think it can go definitely in that favor. Um, so for you, I know one golfer who was right in the thick of things just on Monday is somebody you're intrigued at. Um, sell me on Matthew Southgate. So for me, what I just mentioned over the course of the honor is, is there's a lot of links feel about this event. Uh, when we think about golfers in terms of links, Matthew Southgate's name is pretty much synonymous. Um, you know, this is a guy that, despite not having won, um, you know, has a, has a lot of success in it. You know, second last week, he's been twice, he's been 10th in Sweden at Nordea Masters. He's been second at Dunhill Links, second and fourth at the Irish Open, sixth at the Open at Birkdale, which is obviously Martin Street that we just talked about, second at the Hydro Challenge on the Challenge Shore, which is another Heathland course there at, Sp at Spay Hill. T9 Scottish Open, it carries on. T22 at Walton Heath at the British Masters. Um, back in 2018 as well. So I think for me, having the confidence that he had last week, I know he lit himself down in the final round, but I think that's something that can happen to anyone. I don't think anyone's, you know, adverse to, to that happening too. Um, some more than others and some it means more to others, I guess. But for me, he's got an opportunity now to come to a golf course, which should suit. I mean, we're sort of guessing, having not seen the golf course. Um, and, and really, he's got some plenty of room off the tee to give it a smash and... Uh, He's, you know, he's got the US Open to look forward to, as you mentioned, that to try and get that first win is surely important to him. Yeah, I, the the issue I guess I have is such a discrepancy in odds of what we saw him tee up last week. You yeah. know, he goes from 125, 150s last week down to 33s and, and deserving so. What has been interesting about Southgate is his ball striking never leaves him. You know, whether or not he misses the cut or finishes second, it's it's consistent fairways, greens um, like he has. So he was on that short list even approaching last week. So it's great to see him continue those those trends. So, yeah, I mean, it's often if you catch somebody in form, the odds are going to fall with them. You know, I think that's just the way it, of course, works unless you get extremely lucky and, you know, catch them before that finish comes with it. Um, but when we get into, for me, the, the middling range, there's two golfers that, you know, when we view them against the top of the leaderboard, one, in my opinion, kind of stands out like a sore thumb. And the other one was just in form of the ball striking quite immaculate last week. I'll start with the one in Aaron Rye, a golfer that you um, have kind of been keen on at some of these events recently and talked through 
Aaron Rye was a level above anyone in this field for quite some time, you know, arguably the end of, of the 2020 season, somebody that you trust. When we talk about fairways, you talk about hitting greens and he continued to do that. Even last week in two rounds, you know, he had exceptional iron play. It was the putter that was forgotten. He was 71, 72, one in the markets for last week's events, which was a clear, you know, step above what we're seeing this week from the men's side. And then you cut it in half and then, you know, provide what the ladies do have to offer. So to see Aaron Rye at fifties and 55s, if you look through the tea leaves and some of those numbers, the form is, is there from what you want it to be in Aaron Rye. It's a matter of not, can he have that Scottish open type putter in which he did when he won that week, I'm willing to take the risk. Cause I think the odds are, are really the biggest factor for me in that situation. Yeah, and look, you know, we're talking about a guy that beat Tommy Fleetwood in a playoff at the Scottish Open. We're talking about linked golf, uh, Renaissance is obviously that. You know, he's, he can do it in tough conditions. He likes the two gloves. Um, he's not Tommy Ganey, but you know, he's similar. Um, you know, so look, I think I think he's a great pick. I mean, it's, uh, I went with him a couple of weeks ago, and I don't know. I, t- I think for me, it's just I wanted sort of one from the top, and, and Matthew Southgate was the one. And and to your point about the the short rods, I. I was expecting, I was hoping for slightly bigger, but I was expecting shorter. So I was quite happy it was opened up at 40 to when I picked him and sort of stuck mm-hmm. with him because if there wasn't, if it wasn't for the fact that it suits him so well. Like the, the links angle, if that plays out, is uh, is just absolutely fine. So if it was any other event, I'd have just left him alone. But for me, it was important to stick with him. Yeah. And there's something to be said about that. You know, again, validating the research you do, you're keen on golfers. Price in some sense, doesn't matter for those that, you know, maybe it's the eye test. You're watching enough to see, okay, Garrett Kago is, is going lower, hitting every pin in round four before he breaks through the wind. Is it, is it you knowing the distinctions of the course and the designer? I think those are great correlations. So absolutely when you're gung ho on a pick. Yeah, I think, and it definitely can be one good finish can plummet odds, you know, and that of course, isn't a reason just to get off the golfer. So one that I am um, considering, or I guess I'm, and going in on um, right in that same range with Aaron Rye is a golfer who we've mentioned before has a bit of those Sunday scaries, a golfer who's um, you know, best game in my opinion, off the tee approach can literally compete. I think compete on the, the PGA tour. Truthfully, I, I think Sean Crocker's ball striking is elite. It's just the short game, the putter, the emotions when you get in the mix is something that just hasn't really been there for him in quite some time. Does a field like this, does a setting like this potentially, you know, alleviate a little bit of that? I, I don't know, but he gained, you know, almost three and a half strokes her round just last week, you know, and that's something to be said, you know, Molinari was able to gain four strokes per round ball striking, which was unbelievable. But Crocker was right there, finished 11th. Um, You haven't made money if you're betting Sean Crocker throughout his career. You really haven't. And, um, you know, he shows up on the toughest of courses, I think. Um, And maybe this isn't the right one for that, but boy, oh boy, is that ball striking incredible. When you look at the top of the leaderboard last week, there was there was two or three guys that really didn't play well with the putter. Ryan Fox, 
Um, just kind of signing the other two, but but Sean Crocker would just stand out poor again on the greens, and and we will say it until red in the face. That is that is the only thing holding him back because, like you say, I think the way he hits the ball is PJ Tour quality level. Um, we're talking about a guy, you know, we about Eric Van Royen is a, is a past champion. This event has gone over to the PJ Tour. Uh, has a great touch around the greens, can get good on the greens, and everyone kind of talks about him being able to win over there. Well, I don't think there's much between quality between him and, and Eric Van Royen, you know, potentially. It's just being able to hold those putts. It's not even a case of, I mean, last week was a top finish for him, and and that's not coming up regularly enough. It's not like Matthias Schwab, who keeps finishing top five, top ten, um, and still can't play. He's not even piecing those together. So once he does... Um, his price is gonna is gonna plummet like we see with Schwab. Um, even without that victory, it's just that he needs to do more of what he done last week consistently, and this could be a good place for him to start. Yeah, and again, it's it seems I guess Horsefield would have been somebody as well that you would have thought just kept you know banging down the door from a birdie perspective, from a ball striking perspective until it it flipped like that. It is probably not that long till you see him getting regular starts stateside. Hit, you know, Horsefield's his best buddy, um, and and you know I think that's. A pretty interesting comparison as well with EVR. Um, I guess we each kind of have a golfer here. I think we talk about before I mentioned a couple of the the ladies that I'm interested in um, who I think it's a Frenchman in this range that that's uh, coming up on your card. Correct. An Italian Renato Paratore. Oh yeah. You're a Paratore first. Yes. 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 So he is, um, you know, he came back to form a bit last week. Um, he plays, you know, pretty well in these kind of British conditions um, you know, he's won this, of well, not he's won Nordea Masters in 2017, seventh at the Dunhill Links, fourth in Qatar. We talk about some links events as well. Tier 11th in two of the last three weeks as well. 12th in Austria. It just strikes me that he's kind of returning to form. Um, and T10 in putting last week as well is something that can get away from him. I, I quite like that. I think the fact that he's got success of winning in, in Sweden, I think, again, it's not the same course, but... Swedish golf courses tend to be kind of linksy, tend to be kind of British feeling at times. Um, and that could just lead into what he likes. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about best buddies, you know, roommates with our man Guido Migliazzi. So I mean, that's uh, got to be worth 10 points, you know, oh, 10 at, minute, at minimum. You kidding me? <laughs> um, yeah. So, no, I'm a huge fan of Perthor. Um, you know, right about a year ago when he did have that that second win for him that was, you know, quite an event. So good to see on um, you on him. I think the next golfer um, that I'd want to discuss, I guess I have a couple of them here before I really get into the ladies. I still ended up, I float around the six to seven selections, try to limit myself, but I just get too excited for some of these events, especially even, even when it's ones like the Scandinavian mix here. Um, but I, I'll start with the next golfer, one that we backed in Kenya that gave us everything we thought he had one that, uh, going into the final round, um, this was the event that started on Tuesday, right? The Kenya Savannah, yeah. I think, um, would have been the one for Darren Fitcher, um, old man, Darren, you know, who, <laughs> if you look at his ball striking statistics, when he plays on the European tour, they're next level. Like it's, um, another situation where you back the guys that you hope that, um, are going to be able to putt. Um, you know, for the first time, I mean, he went second, he just missed, missed out 
on the um, playoff when Rosner won that event. It would have been Guido and him um, in that e, that playoff that week and Mular, um, but then they backed it up with a 24th and a 10th. Um, and then on the challenge tour came was 14th and 12th in those two events. So just a continued run of consistent type four. Um, but it's just enough that we have seen out of him a breakthrough win at his age in the European tour with everything else that's happening. It's just kind of poetic. Yeah. And he's got three top 15s in the Nordea Masters as well. I was just checking out McCall's form on, uh, on here because I, I remember him playing well here in the past. He's a guy that, like you say, old. So we know what he is. We know exactly what, and you know, a lot of people see that as a, as a negative, um, but we know where these guys are going to play well. We know the sort of things that can suit him. South Africans tend to like his firm and fast conditions that are going to get here this week. We play a lot of them play well in, in British Opens and, and links as well. Um, you know, Charles Schwartzel, Brandon Grace, Louis Taylor will play well in uh, in Opens and, and things like that as well. So, yeah, for me, I, th- I thought he was, a, he was a good pick there. To your point about the Frenchman that we were talking about earlier on, uh, Benjamin Hibert. Um, for, for starters, I thought you were testing me and my nationalities. And then secondly, I remembered that actually we are talking about another Frenchman here. So, you know, this is good. Um, but he was tied seventh last week. And and before we had Victor Perez coming in the way that he did, uh, Benjamin Hibert was really on, you know, he was on the ascension. He was looking like the guy that was going to win. He, he had a couple of playoff losses. Um, and I think he's returning to a bit of form now. And he struck his irons really well. He's been second at the 2019 Scottish Open. Tied fourth at Dunhill Links, eighth at the Irish Open. So to me, there's a lot of uh, you know links pedigree there. Whether that translates to this golf course, he hasn't got um, the form at the uh, Walton Heath. He hasn't got the form at Birkdale like I've been looking for. But you know he's, he's played well in the right places, and you know he's won on the English Challenge in 2011, uh, UK Championship he was third as well. So he clearly likes a British type of field of events. If that's what we get here this week, which I'm kind of hoping we do otherwise a lot of my picks are going to be uh disappointing um i think he could be a good runner at 91. yeah i think he's another one when you look at you know pedigree i guess in regards to the golfers a little bit further down there he, he does seem to stand above um and has that that tick of recent form just just recently um one golfer that we have to mention, um, and, and I would say as well, as we talk about some of these golfers a little bit deeper, there are sub markets. There are books that have offered men's only and women's only for the, the different events. Um, and again, there's going to be one winner, but they could pay out even in each way, the top six guys, top six ladies, and, and you know, make it a profitable week from that side of things. So I went in on this golfer at 100 to 1 in the men's only side. This golfer has gone from 500s down to 80s. Like before I even woke up, I'd never even sniffed a 500. Um, the yeah, yeah that, that's how quickly it, it really went by. And it's, you know, a, a credit to those that were just waiting for it to happen. But Ludwig Aberg, I believe is how you pronounce it, Aberg would be the correct way. Um, a golfer who is, you know, quite a pedigree inside the top five in the world amateur golf rankings, but back-to-back professional wins for him on the pro golf tour. You don't get that out of a golfer, you know, who is fifth in the amateurs, a golfer who is 500s, you know, in this country playing this event. Um, I would give a shout out um, to somebody who I've 
absolutely recommend following on Twitter. You know, probably one of the best tipsters that I have seen in, in Bradley Todd. You can find him at Bradley underscore Todd golfer who hit him or a tip who hit him um in those pro golf tour events at 400 to one so um you know he came out right away this morning got on him in 150s i saw some 500s being out there but you know this is the style of golfer we've backed often at the end of my cards each week um you know do you have any more to add on, on kind of what you see out of his uh short amateur you know now potentially professional career so that, that the only thing that sort of worried me was the fact that has it been missed? I mean, this is a guy that we like to add on at the end of the shows, or you certainly like to pick out on. And it felt like that kind of guy. I feel like it would still be a surprise, despite the fact his pedigree is so good that he would win. Um, but, you know, was it, is it three times he's won in college in 2021? Texas uh, Tech, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. J- Jones Cup, the Prestige, and the Thunderbird Collegiate as well. Um, you know, both been the, the Big 12 Men's Championship. So he's got a lot of, you know, real lot of pedigree up in college um you know there's only a couple of real top guys ahead of him in those rankings and and he's going to come over here and test his you know test his skills and i think like we spoke about um before on on the nordic golf league and things like that, and these mini uh, tours they're they're a better indicator than we probably give credit for and for him to win those at such a young age um and then come into this event i think he's gonna be full of confidence he's not gonna be worried about anything he's not gonna He's not going to feel any pressure. It's not like he's, um, you know, an Alexander Bjork, who's one of the leaders in in the market and expected to win. It's not Henrik Stenson who's got the hosting duties or anything like that. Uh, this is a kid that can run there, take his uh, take his chance, and, and head back to college and carry on a successful uh, season there. Yeah, and and you're right. I did misspeak. It was the Nordic Golf League, not the PGT, um, but the NGL. If you research on the OWGR site, but he has never missed a cut there. You know, he went 40th first, first, backs it up with a fifth, 11th, 21st, 35th in his Nordic Golf League events. Um, but yeah, I just think overall, I mean, you ha- you just have to, especially when they offered those odds, and these were all in 2020, you know, before Collegiate kind of got rolling again. But, um, you know, the Jones Cup winning that event, that that's a massive one too. Um, so um, yeah, I think you chance it. But of course, now in the 80s, you know, potentially you can play him in the low sevens on DraftKings um, and get a little bit of a sleeper, but he's somebody to keep your eye on as well. From the men's side, is there anybody else you feel mentioned? Dale Whitnell, I think he's, uh, you know, he's, he's incredibly trending into the right direction. T21, T19, T11. He's played Dunhill Links way back in 2009 when he was first starting out. He played well there. Uh, had a bad third round to kind of hold him back. Um, and he should like his setup. You know, he should play well in these sort of tests. It should be right up his street. Um, and, he, and he should be full of confidence. I still don't know what the win equity is for him, though that, that kind of felt short. It says the person's back, Matthew Southgate, at such a short price. But, you know, the other guy that I, that I thought about was, was another sweep, but it was Anton Carlson, who's been playing really well on the Challenge Tour. I don't think we've seen the best out of him just yet. Um, obviously, a lot of pedigree with his dad being Robert Carlson. But, you know, I don't know. I, th- I think he might even have been pulled out of the competition because he's, he's odds of disappearing. So that was one thing that kind of put me off. And, yeah, I, I kind of wanted to keep it light this week. We've got a big, big event next week, a lot of people that we want to follow. Um, and I just didn't feel like I need to get heavily involved because – I may have sounded dismissive about this event. I think the event is absolutely great. I think it's something that the golf game of golf needs. I still think it'd be better if it was pairs sometimes, team format. But from a betting point of view, I just find it really hard to get a grip of, of how much of a, an advantage any one that's going to have over the other. Like you said at the top of the show, you know, 
it might be that ladies are right up there at the end, five or six of them in, in the places because they're, they're so far forward. I really don't know how to quantify it. Based on previous form, it's just, it won't be the case, but that could change any given week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Anton Carlson, I do not see him with a tee time um, right now. Yeah. There is a Jessica Carlson that is teeing it up, um, but Anton would be the one that I did think he was in the field to start the event. I don't see with a tee time now. Um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll give a little um, due to the research, I think, on two girls that stood out in my opinion, um, one being Olivia Cowan. So Olivia Cowan has gone in her last two Ladies European Tour events, third and tenth. And what was interesting, um, so looking through, they do have the greens and regulation. They do have driving accuracy, birdies. They have all the, the same outside of strokes gain statistics. Well, LPGA doesn't have them either right now. They have all of the same stats that the LPGA does offer. So Olivia Cowan is the prototypical golfer that we back. She is top five in driving accuracy and top five in greens and regulation of these ladies in the field over those last few events. Um, they haven't had many events to start off the the 2021 ladies european tour season but to see a ball striker like she has she's not the longest but again fairways greens if we're saying aaron rye we're saying matthew southgate potentially olivia cowan is that of the european uh tour on the ladies side so you know you see that trending form um she's available at 100 125s to one um i i think she presents some interesting side of things from just a pure statistical deep dive on her yeah absolutely and i think that is the thing isn't it is kind of looking at the form she was a person that stuck out to me uh in terms of, of, of that current form and that was really i, I find the the thing that i found the most frustrating is hard to get statistic right on terms of their ball striking in terms of their driving distance equity etc it's not the easiest to get hold of so um you can only really go on the current form and that's why someone like annabelle dimmock stood out to me because she was second last week um she played well at the tail end of 2020 she was second in one of those road ladies series events as well um and there, there was a 250 to one number on her earlier in in the in the group point i think she was 50 in just ladies section so that was the one person that stood out for me um but i must admit it was kind of really just based on the fact she came second last week and i thought the number was too yeah and there are a good amount of these ladies who have you know decent recent form that are, you know, they do get a boost of odds relative to what they are in the women's only market. And if all it takes is, you know, a couple T advantages for them to really make a run at this. And the way I thought about seeing kind of the scores that sometimes the events that are a separation between men's and women's um, is, you know, maybe the guys and ladies haven't, the ladies haven't been able to reach the scores, of course, of what the, the guys have. So I wanted to target if I was going to get any sort of long shot, somebody who is racking up birdies so um you know forgive me if i am wrong on Tavisa malik a 25 year old out of india with back-to-back -to -back top 10 finishes um on the ladies european tour um a golfer who if we talked about greens and regulation is right up there but a golfer relative to her odds i mean if you looked at the shortest women that we talked about you know peterson Thitical. Um, you would see also some of the, the young Swedens in uh, Maja Stark and Lynn Grant, um, two other ones that are up there. Um, you know, golfers who maybe have a little bit more pedigree of what they've played upon, you know, they are the ones who are top of those statistics. But, you know, when we looked at um, 
it, it was, let me just confirm again. I want to make sure I'm pronouncing this correctly. Tavisa Malik, um, she was in the thick of things from a weighted birdie average against those fields. So the other interesting part that I did see while researching her, she is on the fringe of clinching a berth into the Olympics for Tokyo. It is coming right upon there. There's only a little bit left to accumulate points for that. She was literally, she bogeyed 18 last week. A top five finish would have gotten her into the Olympics. So she needs another strong week this week to accumulate some of these points and give herself, you know, that locked in berth to Tokyo, which is a huge deal. You know, that is something where, you know, for we hear it with Chen Chen Fang, you know, recently and talking about what the Olympics has done, you know, representing your country is, is quite phenomenal, especially for the ladies side that, you know, maybe don't get elevated enough in some of their big events. You know, that's a, a massive ordeal. So she was available at 500s. You know, uh, I saw some 250s. You know, you get it each way. You mentioned with that. So I think um, potentially that would be my sleeper pick of the week. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think like we say on a lot of weeks, and I think it's especially true this week, is if any sort of indication, because I think it's such a difficult market to assess that if you can, like you said there, you wanted to target golf that had birdie capabilities. It's not something that, they're going to have to make up a lot of numbers. You know, they, they're going to see what scoring is like um, from the men's side, especially. I think, I mean, it depends what we think the score is going to be like this week. I think there's potential to score really well around here. It is forecast to be fairly breezy, um, but I think that can help certain players as well. So, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see. I think that, like you say, the, the Olympic game was huge. Um, and, and I think any one thing that's enough, I can say every week, I mean, you pick up all these 300, 500 numbers. Uh, and I just go, I don't know where he's put that from. And then all of a sudden, one of them wins the US Women's Open, and I no longer know what else to say. So <laughs> I am just going to say that if you say it's good, I say it's good and uh, move on quickly from that. Hey, there was a couple 500 to one shots that I had last week that were you wake up my my trick is I wake up in the morning, you know, I can barely open my eyes. And then the European tour app is so bright. It is the brightest app that is out there. And I, I lean over like three in the morning, try to scroll. I always go to the bottom and then to the top. And the first thing I see is a star next to one of my golfers. It's like, okay, here we go. He's six over after seven holes. You know, here's your 501 long shot you thought you had for the week, but it works out in the favor. It doesn't take, you know, many to pay off at those odds. So um, let's review your card again, Tom, from the top. Yeah. So for me, it was Matthew Southgate at 33 to one. Uh, Renato Paratore, I think it's 45 50 to 1. Uh, there's a bit of that earlier. Uh, Benjamin Hibbert at 90 to 1. Um, Fail Whitnell was someone I think is, is worth following, but I'm not sure about the winning set. And Annabelle Dimmock from the ladies' side. So I don't know if you want to go for the 200 to 1 from the outright, um, or if you just want to take 50 for the ladies' section. But either way, I think she's uh, worth putting in. Absolutely. So my card is a thiathetical, starting up at 33. Um, Aaron Rye is available in the fifties. Sean Crocker, 55s are available. Darren Fitcher, um, 66 to seventies for him. Ludwig Aberg, um, our Nordic golf champion. Um, you know, you can find him anywhere. If there are still books out there, I don't know that maybe are sleeping still overseas. If there's that 500 you caught early. Um, if not, I, I still think it's risking, you know, a chance at the hundreds that were available. Um, and then on the ladies side, Olivia Cowan, our lady European tour ball striking phenom. And then, um, Tavisa Malik at 250 to one will round out my card for the week. So again, like Tom said, you know, it is a, a difficult event to probably speculate on and handicap one to, you know, 
that we are, it's still our core, very excited to watch, hopefully creates a awesome mixed competition as we go down to the backstretch with the girls and guys that are filling up our betting cards for the week. Absolutely. And I just want to say, I don't think everything I say on this uh, podcast is factually true. Uh, Anson Carlson may not be Robert Carlson's son. I may have just made that. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that, that's absolutely a possibility. For some reason, I was convinced he was, but I think he was a bit too up. So, yeah, moving yeah. swiftly on from that. Part of being the co-host, man, is you, I buy anything that you're saying. You know, yeah, I mean, just... and, and I know you don't want to correct me. And uh, even though I want to correct you about Benjamin Hebert being uh, French. And, uh, you know, here we go. Uh, we move on because... Otherwise, just make up things as we go along. Hey, I love it. I love it, Tom. Well, I appreciate everything you do, the research you put in. You know, for listeners of the show, let's have another great week. So again, please feel free to find us on all of your podcast platforms, Daily Fantasy Sports, The Picks and Bets. You can find us at The Mix there for that. Um, And then best of luck this week, everybody at the Scandinavian Mixed.